Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and our second part to Rebels Talk, our uh, Rebels After Show, which uh, our rewatch after show, I guess, since it's an old series, older series. Can't believe we're actually calling it an older series at this point. I mean, in my head, it feels like it came out yesterday, but uh, here we are with uh, we got our co-host Blake joining us very shortly. And uh, we'll be getting into the first uh, or the next four episodes of Star Wars Rebels. Uh, so if you haven't listened to part one already, make sure you do that and check out the shorts for Star Wars Rebels. Uh, and we'll explain a little bit more about this after show in just a moment. Stay tuned. landing welcome back sir hello good to be here man this theme song like takes me back it's kind of crazy i can't i can't believe how long it's been (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like, like, like what you're just saying, like, takes me back. I mean, I can't believe we're saying expressions like that regarding Star Wars Rebels. Oh my but gosh! Yeah. Like, how how long have we just been randomly using like the uh, the line from that from the main theme? Just <laughs> <laughs> too long as a joke. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, a spark of rebellion. No, I'm like that's from like the first episode. We've been saying that for years. Yeah, uh, it's hard to believe, but um, you know, it's 2023. Uh, next year, it'll have been 10 years since the show premiered on oh Disney XD. Gosh, does that make you feel old or what? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. It's crazy, crazy dude. It's unbelievable. Um, it's like. Oh, man. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, here we are, uh, you know, starting our rewatch uh, rewatch podcast. Um, and uh, Rebels Talk is, uh, you know, for those who are maybe just tuning in to Star Wars Escape Pod, welcome to the podcast. Uh, you know, normally we have um, we have a bit more of a general, a generalist like Star Wars kind of outlook. We just talk about what's current. Uh, we talk about what's what's. Uh, you know, what's going on, right? Like, you know, like the new episode on Disney plus of whatever, or, uh, or, or what have you, uh, but it's fresh. Yeah. yeah. What's fresh. Yeah. You know, occasionally we'll do the book review every now and again, game review, you know, um, we'll have the light speed episodes catching up on news and headlines on under 15 minutes. Uh, but rebels talk is kind of geared for anyone who wants to go back and rewatch star Wars rebels, or maybe you've never seen star Wars rebels and you want to watch star Wars rebels, uh, which, you know, is 
you know, words, words out on the street. Um, Dave Filoni's uh, kind of admitted uh, it's basically Ahsoka coming out this year is basically Rebel Season 5. So, you know, a lot of people are excited for that and, you know, for the first time ever uh, are going to be watching uh, uh, Star Wars Rebels. So, uh, you know, you get to join us at home in doing that. Um, every single week, you know, the goal is to uh, either have a regular podcast episode or perhaps a Rebels Talk episode in its place. Um, and on the odd occasion, we'll, may, we'll even have two. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just a matter of figuring out which day of the week uh, Rebels Talk is going to drop. But, uh, you know, stay subscribed. Got to keep you on your toes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, all the more reason to uh, subscribe to the podcast, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, that way you can stick with us. Find us on YouTube as well. That way you don't miss a single thing. Um, premieres typically come out on uh, Tuesday at noon or one o'clock. And uh, so, yeah, you'll, you'll never miss an episode. But fortunately, I mean, even though this is Rebels Talk Part 2, uh, last time on Rebels Talk, we actually, part one of Rebels Talk, we actually went over the preliminary things uh, for the show, which is like the four shorts that kind of introduce us to the main characters of the series, as well as the, the novel that uh, predates the, the show, as well as uh, a junior novel that also um, predecesses the show as well. Uh, but today, Rebels Talk part two, we're going over the first four episodes of the show. This is actually like season one content. Um, so for those of you, I mean, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit the spoiler button here. There's, there's a spoiler button. Spoilers bro, ahead. Bro, spoil you're, you're 10 years too late. <laughs> yeah, spoilers ahead though for people who have not seen Star Wars Rebels. You're just tuning into the podcast. I mean, the whole point of this after show rewatch thing is that you guys can follow along with us at home. Uh, so, uh, make sure you always read the description of any Rebels Talk podcast. Uh, just check the description. There's going to be a formatted kind of view down below as to which episodes we're actually talking about that day on the show. Uh, the list always reads top to bottom. That's, uh, that's how you would want to watch it on, D on Disney plus or uh, at home. Uh, and, uh, and then you tune into the podcast and you can join us for 30, 45 minutes, whatever ends up being. Uh, just kind of diving in and, and breaking down uh, these episodes, making connections and more. So uh, how does that sound, Blake? You got anything to add on to that? No, I think you covered it pretty well. I think uh, we're up for quite the adventure. Awesome. Awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. So uh, I, don't know, you, I mean, you got, you got the soundboard there on your end. How about you cue, cue, the, cue the hyperspace and we'll, we'll kick things off with a bang. <laughs> oh, man. All right, everyone, all aboard the ghost. There we go. We're taking off. Oh, I don't know if it's working. There it is. There it is. Nice. All right. <laughs> is it actually hyperspace? I feel like it just sounds like the motor kind of burns out. Yeah, yeah, it kind of does. It's like when the Falcon fails. That, that's how it is on the escape pod. That's why it's the escape pod. <laughs> <laughs> so we're still floating here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Not going anywhere. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Time to abandon ship. That's right. All right. So uh, season one, episode one, Spark of Rebellion, part one. Uh, this uh, this is a very strange anomaly for the entire show. Uh, it's going to be different. Um, part one and part two launched as a TV movie. So technically they are part of season one. Technically they're also not. Uh, but, you know, we're counting part one and part two as, uh, as the first two it sections of season one. In this season that they released on like Blu-ray or DVD, it was two episodes. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so. I think that's what it's supposed to be. P- people, like a special just, just for Premiere, I think. Yeah, people were first introduced to the first two on the same day, and it kind of it was classified as a TV movie. But yeah, you're right. On, on Disney+, Plus, um, I believe it's uh, like the first. It, it's just a regular season format. So uh, the description that I'm going to read, though, for this episode also applies to the next one. So... Uh, we're going to combine the topics of season one, episode one and two kind of together a little bit. Uh, and that's just kind of breaking format slightly on this first one. But, you know, let's let's dive right in. So uh, season one, episode one, Spark of Rebellion, part one cast includes uh, the main cast for the show includes Freddie Prince Jr. as Kanan Jarris, Taylor Gray as Ezra Bridger, Vanessa Marshall as Harris and Dula, Steve Bloom as Zeb or Zebrelios and uh, uh, Tia Sarkar uh, as uh, Sabine Wren. Dave Filoni as Chopper, uh, David. That was a secret, uh, hey, for yeah. a long time. It was. It was a. It was a big mystery. Like who voices Chopper, right? Like it, it, Dave didn't want to admit it. And what's funny is uh, because Chopper's a droid, makes just random grunting noises after the uh, all the effects. So uh, David got to use a very salty sailor's mouth whenever playing Chopper. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> You uh, gotta check. Sometimes you can figure out that he's like cussing if you like pay attention. Yeah, if you listen very closely, you might hear the the saint the the the, the faint sound of a of a of a droid cuss. Yeah, that's right. David Oyelowo. I I gotta try and figure out if that's actually how I pronounce that. Uh, as Agent Callus, uh, Jason Isaacs as the Grand Inquisitor. Uh, and that is that applies for the, in, the entire season one. Those are the main characters you got to worry about. Uh, any guest uh, stars, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that on a per episode basis. So uh, this episode, uh, or the first two parts, I guess, were, were uh, directed by uh, Stuart Lee, Stephen G. Lee, and Dave Filoni as supervising director. Writers included uh, Simon Kimberg, uh, guest starring James Earl Jones, and Jason Isaacs in this first uh, set of episodes. Um, yeah, James Earl Jones. Uh, Isn't that crazy? I remember when we were first talking about that. They actually got James Earl Jones to voice Darth Vader yeah. in a Star Wars animated show. Crazy, right? I mean, now they've gotten that way is more, crazy. Now they've had a lot more success with that. Like they've had, uh, they've had Ian McDermott come back and do The Emperor finally. You know, instead of uh, Sam Witwer. And Sam Witwer is great. Sam poor Witwer. Sam Witwer. Yeah, Sam Witwer kicked to the curb. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, he was great. He was a great, Kick he was the great. Care of Whittler. Whit- yeah. yeah. Whittler. There we go. <laughs> Whittler. <laughs> Where's Whittler? Where's Whittler? Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, that should be the line. Where's Whittler? Where's Whittler? Oh, where's Whittler? Got to make a Star Wars book. Where's Whit? Where's Whittler? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I, th- I was just thinking a hashtag, but all right. <laughs> go to the next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I think I hear him. Do you hear him? You can call me Lord Maul. At last, we will reveal more news on the podcast. <laughs> there he oh is. Oh, my God. There he is. He was here the whole time. Yeah, couldn't find him, and he was here on the escape pod with us. Yeah, <laughs> Sitting over there. Right? It's like it's like Dave Filoni. It just, all of a sudden, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Just keep to themselves in this little, you know, 10 by 10 room. Exactly. <laughs> All right, here's the summary for the first one. Uh, Street thief Ezra Bridger is an orphan on Lothal, an Outer Rim world. 
Uh, he interferes with a theft of blaster rifles from the Empire by three ghost crew members. Leader Kanan Jarrus, Mandalorian saboteur uh, Sabine Wren, and Lassat strongman Gerizeb Zeb Aurelius. Uh, Zeb, uh, Ezra ends up uh, stuck with the, the crew while making their getaway and also meets Twi'lek pilot Harrison Dula and her C-1 astromech droid Chopper. Ezra finds a lightsaber and a holocron in Kanan's room and steals the holocron. The rifles are sold to buy food and information from the black market dealer uh, and crime lord uh, uh, Cicatro Visago. Uh, the food Visago. Is, uh, Visago, that's right. A uh, bit of a scumbag. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> He's the guy we always want to be when we play Star Wars D&D. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You know, we, let's just call him Scumbag Visago. Oh, his his first name's too hard to pronounce. I'm just going to edit it right now. Scumbag Scumbag Visago. Uh, <laughs> the food is given to displaced people of Lothal, while the information leads them to the location of several Wookiees captured by the Empire. However, this is a trap. And <laughs> this is a trap. <laughs> and, and Ezra is captured by Agent Callus. Ezra somehow opens the holocron and sees a message from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ezra is saved by the ghost crew after learning where the Wookiees have been sent. And during the rescue of the Wookiees, Kanan draws out his lightsaber, revealing himself as a Jedi. And together with the Wookiees, he defeats Agent Callus and escapes. Having proven himself by opening the holocron, Kanan offers to make Ezra his apprentice. Uh, so that's the first two parts of Spark Rebellion, and uh, let's just dive right in. I'm going to kick things off with uh, the intro of Vader's hologram, James Earl Jones' cameo instructing the Inquisitor, the Grand Inquisitor, that is, about hunting the Jedi down at this point. Um, I feel like this scene just doesn't really hold up if you're already familiar with the chronological events. I mean, this is like... 14, 15 years after they've been introduced, um, kind of right after Revenge of the Sith. If mm -hmm. anyone read the Darth Vader comics, if anyone's played Jedi Fallen Order, if anyone's played Jedi Survivor, if anyone's watched Obi-Wan Kenobi, I mean, there's so many things now which has taken place between the events of Episode 3 and Star Wars Rebels, whereas when this show first came out, this was the show that introduced Star Wars fans to the Inquisitors. Um, Do you think there's some there's been some retro well like, I, canon going on through this? I just felt you know it's been a it's been a it's been a hot minute since I've seen this show. I mean I've seen it a few times, but rewatching it now after all this other content's kind of been made available, I just feel like the scene at the beginning when when Vader's instructing the Inquisitor, you know, just what he says, you know, like you must hunt down and destroy any remaining Jedi, and it's like. Okay, seriously, like that's his job for the last 15 years. You're really going to brief him on what to do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, fair enough. I, I just I just think like Get the, to work. the scene is awesome, but like I feel like it just doesn't quite hold up if you're binging Star Wars in a in a chronological saga point of view. It just doesn't really fit that well. Um, mm -hmm. That being said, I mean, for younger viewers who maybe this is their first uh, experience watching Star Wars or for anyone who really doesn't know who the Inquisitors are, maybe they haven't seen Obi-Wan Kenobi um, maybe they don't know what they are, right um, this kind of makes sense to have still, so um, I'm just more biased towards, of course, like I'm so familiar with everything that comes before, to me it just didn't hold up that well, but I was wondering like what you thought about it, just kind of all these years later What's funny is just because uh, I watched it when it came out I didn't really think about it, <laughs> to be entirely honest with you, but yeah. Yeah, it does. It does make you wonder then, like, why is Kanan never seen what they are 
seen like inquisitors and stuff before right it seems like they're probably pretty common at least if you're a jedi you would have more knowledge of this existing yeah yeah and and you know with with the a new dawn novel uh it's been a while since we've read that of course but uh it's the event of of the grand inquisitor and we'll get into when this happens in 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 the next um in the next podcast episode that we do when, when the grand inquisitor um, finally kind of actually does come, you know, minor spoilers face to face with our protagonist of the story. Uh, just the, the dialogue that's kind of uh, transacted there or, or exchanged is, mm-hmm. is, is slightly, you know, it's, it's questionable as to whether or not it holds up because, um, and it, you know, perhaps maybe you can, we, we can bring it up at a later time, but um, again, this is an older show which first introduced the Inquisitors. And since then, there's been 15 years worth of timeline events that these Inquisitors have been running around uh, killing Jedi and, and the Empire and people of the Empire as demonstrated in Obi-Wan Kenobi, which takes place four or five years earlier um, from the point of this very episode. Uh, the random schmuck on the street on Tatooine knows who the Inquisitors are. So um, Yeah, that's the weird part, is they're that common. Yeah, that yeah. Because I do question that a little bit, like... When we watched Obi-Wan, the series, uh, and the Inquisitors just show up and are walking around Tatooine, like, people actually know who they are. They just think they're like Imperials. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, well, I mean, there's, there's a, that storekeeper that they go into the, the shop and uh, they, they start questioning him about, about, you know, he's like, do you know, you know who we are? Yes. You know, they, I think that's what the Grand Inquisitor says. It's like, you know who we are, yes. And then, and then the the, the, oh, the shopkeeper right. is like, "You're inquisitors. you're inquisitors," and then he's like, "And you know what we do, or something." You know, I'm I'm vaguely kind of remembering what he says here, mm-hmm. um, but he's quizzing him on like, you know, like, and that's the Obi Wan Kenobi show version of this very scene. It's like introducing inquisitors to audiences in the live action. Uh, target audience right because maybe right. maybe there's people out there who haven't seen rebels but this is the first live action appearance of an inquisitor so they got to do the same thing all over again but differently that's true so i, I mean it, yeah it's it's not like darth vader you have to reintroduce darth vader as if it's right? like you just know right yeah the inquisitors are kind of still in that weird gray area that people like us are very familiar with them and perhaps a lot of our listeners, you know, joining us on, in this rewatch uh, progress um, are also very familiar with them at this point. But uh, for anyone who's watching Rebels for the first time, like, you know, if you haven't seen them in Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you haven't played the video games, if you haven't read the books, um, you know, this is your first experience, like kind of seeing the introduction to these characters. Uh, I remember trying to think back, like a lot of the questions that I had when I was first introduced to these characters. And since then, a lot of these questions have been kind of filled out and answered a little bit um, with the expanding lore. But, um, you know, was there any questions that, that you had uh, in regards to the Inquisitors? Just like, like, who are they? You know, like when we first got Star Wars Rebels, like what did you think when you saw this character? Oh, man, I was always thinking back to the the, the Force-wielding villains that you fight against during Force Unleashed. I thought there'd be kind of more along the lines of that, mm-hmm. um, where they were kind of like Palpatine's lackeys almost. Yeah, do you remember those 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 villains, those guys you fight against? They had like force pikes and stuff. I do remember. Yeah, they're a bit like royal guards or something. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, I uh, so 
I guess I guess uh, the idea of having kind of dark side agents working for Palpatine has always been part of his his grand vision, I guess. Uh, because that's that was Pong Krell's thing in the Clone Wars. Anyone who joined us for Clone mm-hmm. Wars back then, um, you know, we got into it in Clone Wars talk with Diego. But uh, but I, I mean, you and I have talked about it too on on various podcast episodes. And um, Pong Krell kind of had this whole thing. Like the reason why he went dark is because he had a vision that that he would uh, be on the wrong side of the war if he stuck to being a Jedi. So you know, he he his goal was to kind of get the attention of Dooku or somebody that he would mm-hmm. be on the right side of the war when 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 things went sour, right? And, when he's uh, trying to save himself, yeah, yeah, because he knew he had the feeling that 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 they would need agents of evil, right? And and even that whole is kind of a weird plot line when they started sending Cad Bane to kidnap all those Jedi babies, but. Um, you yeah, know, that's the, what I was thinking of was actually that arc. Yeah, yeah, there when, was there was that arc too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because that's when Palpatine was like trying to uh, already start having like force lackeys behind him. That's right. Yeah, he uh, kind of had this, and he says that to to Cad Bane or or, or Dooku or whatever that that you know it's, this is his or, or the robot doctor I think it was um, that like that's his kind of you know part of his grand plan is to have these. Uh, agents of his that you know, they're not quite Sith Lords, but they're doing his bidding and they can wield the force and use a lightsaber. Um, so, you know, this was, uh, it, it was a big moment for me. I think when I saw this character, I think the biggest question I had was like, who the heck is this guy? You know, like, you know, where did he come from? Like, who was he? And, and, uh, you know, we don't want to spoil it because this show, you know, if you haven't gotten into any other stuff regarding Inquisitors, um, this show will answer those questions. But um, I was very surprised just how, I was pleased as to how they answered who the Grand Inquisitor was. Um, right. And, uh, you know, I, you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, for all those who, who don't know, this answer will will come up um, kind of over the course of the first season, I believe. But um, it's, so, it's great. I take it we're not going to retro review, like, with, you know, meta knowledge of what's to come. Is that the idea? Uh, you know, I, you know, I think um, we definitely can. Well, you know, yeah, I think. Within reason, I, I think guess. we can. Within reason, let's just give a small like spoiler warning before kind of like briefly mentioning it here. Um, but I mean, you know, for the, for this one, I think we can we'll, we'll let it we'll let it coast for a little bit. We'll let it coast for a little bit until okay, until okay. until more of them start popping up, and then you know we can kind of dive into it. Um, well, we can get because I wanted to talk a little bit about the deal where I'm kind of annoyed with the Grand Inquisitor being in season one. It's always oh, irked yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Okay. You know what? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, spoiler warning for anyone, you know, retrospective knowledge coming up, I guess. Okay, go for it. Well, it's, it's interesting watching this again, uh, just kind of like knowing what's going to happen in the future. And something that has always bothered me is I feel like we, we started with the Grand Inquisitor, who's like the, the highest tier Inquisitor. He's the leader of all the other Inquisitors. Should be the best one. And then after he dies, we just get random schmuck inquisitors. Right. So why would we not start low and work your way up? Why do you go to the top dog? And then it, I don't know, it always just to me it always just seemed like um, uh, maybe like a an oversight because you, you, you imagine playing a game and you the first boss is like the the end boss. Yeah. So what do you yeah. do for the rest of the game? That yeah, I've always thought about that too. I've always I've always wondered what the decision was when making the grand inquisitor be just that, that guy that they have to mm-hmm. run away from each week. And, and I, I don't know. I mean, 
you know, after, after quite a while of thinking about it, the best theory that I can come up with is at this point, there's not many left. And, uh, you know, right. we, we, we've, we've been demonstrated to by the Vader comics, by these video games, by Kenobi, that these Inquisitors are not meant to be, like, they're not meant to stick. And, and that was Dave's whole thing, is like, we need a character that, that isn't going to be Darth Vader, you know, that they're, that they're actually running away from all the time, because that would just make Darth Vader look stupid and incompetent right and uh, i I, kn- I know exactly how you feel because i feel like okay well why do we have to pawn that off to the best inquisitor there is <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, exactly like, that's the problem in my mind that was my yeah. whole issue too uh, you know as soon as we kind of discovered that there were more of these guys running around mm-hmm. like you know that's no secret um you know why does it have to be the best guy <laughs> that they kick things right. off with uh, but again you know that's just Maybe the uh, who, I, whoever made that decision, I whatever. But um, but yeah, I you know I, I can see maybe looking back, it wasn't the best choice to make. No, and like maybe that's the thing is they didn't realize at the time, and now we're just kind of in this situation. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I gotta say, uh, you know, Jason Isaacs was was an amazing casting choice for this character as well. Um, you know, no, most notably uh, plays. Uh, Mr. Malfoy in Harry Potter and uh, his oh wow I didn't realize that was him (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that's crazy yeah yeah he was uh, come Draco come Draco (laughs) don't need to associate ourselves with these muggles (laughs) common Uh, rebel Um, yeah, he, he's such a great actor and, and I was very disheartened to learn that he wasn't going to play the, the live action edition of him. Uh, yeah, I, I think he, he could have done the look if, if he looks anything like he did when he was Harry Potter. Oh yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. Put, put, put on the makeup, make him, make his face look like his corduroy on it and you're good to go. Yeah. I mean, uh, another complaint that a lot of people, including myself had is, is the way that they do some of these prosthetics in, in the Disney plus shows, um, He's a what do you call it a a, a pawn a pawn or something like that from from Utapau right Utapau yeah and Pawan, uh, I think Pawan, right Pawan, yeah and uh, we've seen these before in episode three and they've very elongated heads right and so mm-hmm. it, it's not exactly the rebels art style that does that to him it's 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 just a, a part of his species. And when we saw him in Kenobi, I mean, he would just look like a bald dude with lines on his face. And I, yeah. I wasn't too happy with that. The main thing is, is he's, the race was already established in Revenge of the Sith when they were introduced. So why do they not look like that? They don't, I mean, they, they did the same thing with Cat Bane. So yeah. I don't know what the heck's going on. It, it's, like it's they the pro- can't match. Yeah. They can't match the original, like on set live character design it, it's the prosthetics it's the is how they want the, the you know the prosthetics to be managed um how they did cab cad bane how they wanted to do cad bane was that the the mouth was actually being driven by the actor's mouth yeah so Which i get but you know if they if they actually approached it from uh how they did it in the original trilogy where they don't speak at all um yeah it's easy they're just background characters so like, yeah the mouth I, is much lower yeah, I right get that. Um, but I do, I do uh, in the, but, in the events, I mean, in, events like that, do I think, CG then. exactly, like. exactly. It's a mouth. It's like, you know, that's not hard. It's like, anyways. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it could have been handled, handled better, but you know, that's just, maybe that's just me. 
Um, okay, so um, moving on from the Grand Inquisitor, though, um, <laughs> you know, Ezra, <laughs> Ezra and Sabine um, clearly uh, have like a very unique uh, re- kind of relationship at first. Um, and, uh, you know, again, retrospective knowledge here, uh, or I guess just sorry, sorry, pre-existing knowledge of kind of what's to come. So again, we're going to begin doing mild, mild, mild spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen further down the road, but, um, you know, their, their relationship ends up becoming more of like a, like a brother sister thing. And, uh, but uh, you know, Ezra's, yeah, Ezra's clearly kind of taken by her though. I think when he first meets her, because, uh, you know, she's uh, supposed to be this pretty teenage girl, maybe like two years older or three years older than, she, than he is. And uh, I just thought, you know, it's a fun, lighthearted kind of attitude that they have. And, and the whole tone of the show, you know, when I was watching this, this again, uh, I thought to myself, it is so much more lighthearted than Clone Wars is. And it uh, is, yeah. You know, sure. it's worth kind of addressing that elephant in the room because this show did have to premiere on Disney XD. Uh, whereas Clone Wars was made for teenagers, which premiered on Cartoon Network. And uh, the age difference for how those networks are each kind of geared for a specific audience, you know, you, it's not like you can have uh, Clone Wars play on Disney XD for kids under the age of 11 or 12 because that just wouldn't be suitable. Um, so, you know, they have other ways of doing it. Now Disney Plus is like the best way to do it at all because you can, you can just slap that little sticker on there and people can choose to hit play or not. Um, but when these rebels was the last, uh, animated show, I believe other than resistance, I think we talked about this last week or something, um, that, uh, premiered on, on, you know, cable television. television. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. real television, not like a streaming service show, but like this was a, this was a television show. So, um, you know, there was a, there was an on-demand air date, but, uh, again, I mean this, this, this air date coming out, uh, October 3rd, uh, 2014 for this episode, like it was, uh. You know, this was clearly on on cable television, so they had to target audiences of of kids that would be within respective age of of actually uh, watching this this sort of stuff, and they had to keep it light. So, uh, my question to you is like, you know, did you? It was a bit of a one eighty from from the darker seasons of the later half of the Clone Wars, um, being the dark times, or at least the very tail end of the dark times, like how did you feel kind of knowing that this was going to be a, a show about rebels in the days of the empire, you know, at the heat of the, the empire when the rebels, you know, rebel rebellion wasn't really a thing yet. Um, you know, wh- what did you think this was going to be like? And then watching it, seeing this very lighthearted humor script, mm-hmm. everything, you know, what were your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's a kid's show. So you always have to kind of look at that with a caveat but from what we got, it's really just based on EU then, right? And what we heard from Obi-Wan New Hope, where he talks about it being the dark time mm-hmm. for the fall of the Jedi. So you'd think that everything, people would be really repressed and living under a tyrant, right? Yeah. I would think of, say, Soviet Russia or something along those lines where uh, people are just... Uh, looked at just as, as, as tools, right? Or uh, just something to be used or cast aside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you kind of get some of that. You kind of, you it's, it's, it was Rebels, and you kind of see it in these first few episodes where it feels like it's, it feels like it should be closer to a new, I'm sorry, to a Revenge of the Sith than it is. Maybe this planet's just 
far from the core, so it took a long time for the Empire to really move in and start taking over. But uh, you, you see, uh, you can see the people slowly falling under the boot of the Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and this is uh, uh, easily a much more a kind of amateur audience uh, than mm-hmm. the one that Andor is trying and, to target. And maybe. Oh, for sure. And maybe that's why. Maybe they chose a planet that's farther away from the core that can start more lighthearted and yeah. they can like they don't they can make it fit into the universe with people being more uh, upbeat and stuff. Right. While targeting a child audience. Maybe that's why they decided to do that. And it seems like it's a really slow, kinda easy paced planet right it seems like it's this farming planet everyone is just kind of chill It'd be like living in a like small midwest town yeah yeah and and, and being so in midwest I, town, I could see them mm-hmm. but well being, being in a midwest town i would imagine that you know imperial presence isn't like you know crazy terrible at that point right because like you said like they've the empire has been expanding you know as this time time's gone by and this is about four, you know, four to five years before before a new hope. So, um, it's been the empire has been around for a while. The, the empire has been around for like fourteen years. So they're finally kind of utilizing planets like Lothal. But as we've seen in Andor, like it, it just kind of keeps going, right? It keeps inflating. And uh, it, it's worth noting that Ezra's perspective of his homeworld is uh, is is how the empire slowly corrupts that planet mm-hmm. as time goes by right so so the tone will at least dampen a yeah. little bit more as time goes by but but yeah you're right i mean you know it's it's, it's a good way to kind of keep things light lighter you know at the start uh so that things can still get worse but you are right it does feel like intentional or not it it definitely had to do with aiming for that younger audience and do, if that you know, pulls away from what it would have been like if this was in a AI, a larger audience category of show. Like it's, I would say it's kind of hard to tell at this point, but it's, yeah. it is possible. It's definitely possible. Yeah. Uh, we're introduced to agent Callus in this episode. Agent Callus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> working for the ISB, uh, the Imperial security bureau. And, uh, He's uh, basically the imperial version of like a, a spy investigator, elite agent, combination of all sorts. You know, they're they're uh, they're a commander, person in charge. You know, they they kind of like I've they're not CSS, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's like having your best like you know top CIA agent on the case kind of thing, uh, and he's got incredibly uh, talented combat skills, but. Um, he's a great character. I've, I've always loved Asian Callus. I think, you know, he, he b- becomes an incredibly written, well-written character, you know, oh, for sure. later yeah. on. Yeah. Oh man, uh, we can get into it later, but it's really interesting to see the parallels between him and Hux and their storyline and just see how incredibly different they're handled. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this episode, uh, really got into, um, this, uh, this test. I mean, uh, you know, we talked about it in the summary, um, when when Ezra uh, steals the uh, what was it the the <laughs> finds a lightsaber and a holocron in Kanan's room and he steals the holocron, and uh, it, it turns out that that this is all part of like an elaborate test that Kanan has because he he kind of suspects that Ezra is like a force force 
um, uh, compatible person. Is it the right term? Force user, but not really using it. <laughs> force sensitive. Yeah. Force he's sensitive. Just, yeah. 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 He's just naturally force sensitive. Yeah. I don't know. I get that they want to, you know, set the precedent that he he is gifted in the force and move things along, but just one thing that always annoys me is just the speed of learning stuff in different series. Mm-hmm. Like, you would think that Luke should be one of the most gifted, like force users, right? Should pick it up really fast, same as like Anakin. Yeah, but and Anakin probably would have been similar in in regards uh, to comparison. Why does Luke struggle so much? Because the most powerful force user the galaxy's ever seen. And he, he's the son of Darth Vader. And yet he, he struggles to move noodles. Like he has such a hard time. Yeah. And then people like Ezra open a holocron the first day. It's like, what is happening? Yeah, I I know, right? I I mean it's it's one of those things that I, I think really uh yeah, I mean there's there's there, it's it's a Pablo question to answer. But I mean, if I was just to give you my straight up answer, I mean, it's written for kids. They got to just move the mm-hmm. pace along. Like that's, that's canon now, man. That's canon. I know. I know. That's that's one of the reasons. Uh, again, Rebels is not my favorite show, and I'm gonna do my best to absolutely try and not crap on it like every week because I did enjoy the show, and I think I mentioned last time uh, this show has aged better on me than I, than I expected. And it, I never, yeah, I no, didn't, I, agree with that. I didn't hate the show. I just felt bitter about it because it canceled Clone Wars and so on and so forth. But, um, I, I think looking back at it now, knowing it's been written for, um, for, you know, a younger audience, like, you know, what it's done for the lore, it's expanded in so many ways, you know, then I can just, I appreciate it more now. And because I don't have the bitter, you know, polish on me, um, I'm able to kind of actually laugh at some of the humor uh, that goes on in, in these episodes, which 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 plays well into the lighthearted script. Um, of course, the rare hairless Wookiee thing was hilarious. I thought that was amazing. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, when when they're pulling that job, uh, trying yeah, to sneak that was a, the ship. That was a good uh, sneaky Easter egg there, I thought. It was, yeah, because of course we talked about last week how this show is very visually based on Ralph McQuarrie. And uh, the Lasat species in in Rebels is is based on the original concept for for the Wookiee, um, and so you know them kind of disguising or not even disguising, but just straight up like, hey, this is a rare hairless Wookiee. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of a tongue in cheek kind of joke. Yeah, and I gotta say, Steve Bloom was really what a great job trying to like gargle a Wookiee growl, right? He did a really yeah. nice job at like just making it <laughs> sound really authentic at first, and then it kind of fizzles out into a, like a failure and then, <laughs> and then the, the, the stormtroopers kind of look at each other like just like they just know it's it's not legit and then he's like oh whatever and then he just you know clobbers them one it was, yeah he just gives up he's like yes it's yeah. not working <laughs> so good um and yeah that was the end of the part one so uh yeah part two kicks off with with ezra uh you know he decides to help the group uh but he's captured for making his choice to be to be self selfless that was a big thing in this first episode because he's lived his life as like the Star Wars version of Aladdin. And, uh, you know, he's being a, he's been a thief. He's grown up on the streets. He's had nobody looking after him. He's had no one telling him what's right from wrong. Right. He's just done mm-hmm. what he has to do to survive. And, um, you know, he has every reason to regret his decision after he gets captured. And, you know, the crew of the rebels, you know, they, they escape and they don't realize that he's been taken until after they leave. 
Uh, but you know, I think you can kind of see it. In well, his Zeb, eyes. Zeb like, realizes. Zeb realizes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you can kind of good riddance. You kind of see it on him. You kind of see in his face, like, oh shoot, like why did I like? I thought I thought these people cared about me. Like, why did I help them? Now mm-hmm. I'm stuck. You know, like. Yeah, and it it, it kind of uh, just like confirmed his his bias, right? Which is like everyone's out for themselves. Like, why should I help these people? And then Hera kind of like guilts him into it, so he does it. And then what does he get? He gets left behind. Exactly, exactly. And you know, it's an important thing to to bring up for this first episode because this is really what what transforms his character. Uh, into being, you know, um, going from a street rat to someone who wants What's to... What's that? Street rat. <laughs> someone who wants to be selfless, someone who wants to help people, right? Um, mm-hmm. But another little comedy thing, he's like, you know, the, the little verbal Easter eggs from Ezra, he's got this insane knowledge of the galaxy. He's like, what's your name? Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, do, do you like that? That's one or? of those... Mm. I don't know. It's a kid show. So, you know, it is, it is what it is, but it's always, it's always a bit cringy, I guess, in my mind. Yeah. But yeah. I don't Do you like it? Are you a fan of that? I mean, you know, at first I, I would roll my eyes, but now I just kind of chuckle because it's like, all right, maybe job of the hot's actually like galactic wide known, you know, people know who this guy is. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a top tier gangster. Um, you know, I would imagine that someone who kind of lives their life in the streets is probably familiar with some aspects of the underworld. But again, this guy's a kid. So like how much does, he know, probably not much. So he probably just uses that as a name that he wants heard on the news. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what, you know, it's like, what, what's your, what's your name? It's like, you know, the first thing that pops in your head. And, uh, I just think it's kind of, it's kind of funny that it happens to be Jabba, but like at the same time, it's like, really? <laughs> yeah. So like, like, yeah, you think that's going to work? All right. <laughs> right. Right. Good luck. I I think the, like, the even funnier aspect about it is that agent Callis just goes along with it. He's like, yeah, very well Jabba. <laughs> <laughs> that's always makes you wonder though, if he actually legitimately like thinks that's like, his name. <laughs> I think he's just kind of playing along. He's like, Oh, whatever. Um, but yeah, again, like looking at looking back after like nine years again, like this is sitting differently with me now than it first did as it came out. Sure. Yeah, I know you were always very annoyed back in the day at all these little things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Holocron is unlocked uh, by Ezra. And like you're saying, I mean, it's, you know, it's worthwhile. Like I, 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 I would compl- I can I still complain about this, too. It's like, yeah, the power level thing. It's a bit messed up. Um, it's been messed up for a while now though not just this show kind of across this whole spectrum i even complain i would even claim about like the obi-wan series right yeah yeah it's uh it's true um the holocron's unlocked and master kenobi's message plays uh again after 15 years um the message uh is later played to its full extent uh in the in the episode or in the series or whatever um but the first half or whatever that he hears. Um, and again, the full message, this is the message that Obi-Wan records when he and Yoda go back to the Jedi temple. And, uh, this message was also written in text. Uh, was it, was it in the, a new dawn book? I I think it was, wasn't it? Sorry. What was that? The Obi-Wan's recording his, his message Mm -hmm. that, that he plays, uh, on the holo on the holocron. 
Um, I'm not even sure. I just remembered it from Revenge of the Sith. Uh, well, he, that's the thing. You, you don't hear him record the message in Revenge of the Sith. That's that's the crazy part. Get to part. the very end of it, right? You, you just you just see him push the buttons, and it kind of goes into the into the library or into the the beacon or whatever. But you never. And then he just turns to Yoda and said, "You know, oh, I've man. sent a I've sent a message, the warning all Jedi to stay away." And right, because uh, the original message was to bring everyone there to be executed. It, it, exactly exactly the, yeah so so this is his personal hologram recording that he sent out in that moment and uh, mm-hmm. it, it has kind of intercepted and and uh i guess um it's a, a surface level emergency um tech which is which has been which has been uh i guess distributed over all of the the holocrons and and um you know, related artifacts, you know, across the galaxy, Jedi's comlinks, just about everything, right? So I think it's interesting that somehow the Holocron got this message as well. I don't know how yeah, that works. But. I wondered about that too, honestly. It's like, why is it on the Holocron when it was supposed to be just a projected message? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, as we know, Unless, as we, we don't know a whole lot about Holocrons, right? Like Holocrons well, can be a variety of so data many storage, things. right? If they wanted to be. Yeah, exactly. Like, so like, you know, and, and that's the thing, right? Like who says that? Because a holocron is like, it's a data storage, but it's a data storage that can only be unlocked by a fourth user. So like, who's to say that the inside of that holocron doesn't have some sort of like comlink receiver in it, um, which the password to get into it is just using the force to unlock it, right? Like, like it, it could be like head cannon stuff like that, uh, which I can just kind of let it slide. But mm-hmm. I do. I did question. I was like, okay, how did this message get to a holocron? Because like, that's kind of strange, you know. Um, no, nope, for sure. But yeah, um, yeah. I questioned the same thing, I and mean, then just kind of was like, eh, moved on. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, I feel like when you're watching all these kids' shows, you kind of got to take everything with a bit of a grain of salt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Bit of bit of a grain of a uh, bit of a grain of patience in there. Um, but we got the first look at the Imperial Cadet helmet in this episode as well, and he uh, he later yeah. yeah he later puts one of these on in in uh, in episode six uh, in season one, which we'll get into in the next podcast episode. But um, it, it's a design which I think uh, fits pretty well. It's, it's like a, it's basically a cadet version of stormtrooper helmet. You know, it kind of would you say the design works for for like a younger person? It's not really quite a full bucket, but it's like. Got that flip it's up. Like a training bucket. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. I, I think it. you have to look at it as a, only from a, like a certain perspective for it to work well because I wouldn't expect people training to be stormtroopers to be like eight, between the ages of, of like 10 and 16, right? You think these people right. are the earliest you, you sign up to be in the stormtrooper corps, you'd be like an adult, like 18 or older. So I wouldn't picture 24-year-olds wandering around with that. I think they would probably just have regular Stormtrooper gear for training. But if they had something that's like a uh, like the uh, the Nazi youth, for example, then I could definitely see them wearing Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that might be the idea, too, is that, you know, because the Empire is supposed to be reminiscent of that that time period, right? Uh, and you know what I'm, that actually is reminding me of as well is they have the children's uh, Mandalorian helmets now as well. That's right. So maybe it's just like a youth youth thing. Yeah, They're, everyone's included. 
Uh, Ezra reveals he discovered the Wookiees um, that are being held on. Uh, did he say? Did he say Kessel? I wrote down Kessel, but it was on. Uh, it's Kessel, yeah. It was on Kessel, which I was very surprised by because they didn't do the Kessel so run. It got me wondering. Exactly, that's exactly it. So I was like, I was wondering what the deal was with that. Do they? Was there no Imperial defense set up then? Like, what's the timing of this versus? Uh, solo because solo we we see the full castle. Well, that's that's the thing, right? And I was a little confused, which is kind of why I brought it up because um, because solo a Star Wars story was the first time we saw Castle in live action, and I for for I guess it's been a while since I've seen Star Wars Rebels because um, for the longest time I thought that that was the first time we actually saw Castle at all. Um, that wasn't in you know. Like a like a Battlefront Two, we saw Kessel, but that, again, that was based on the Solo depiction. So I always thought that Solo was the first time we saw Kessel. Uh, clearly, it's been a while since I've seen Star Wars Rebels, but mm. uh, but yeah, I guess I guess this is the first time that we see that we see Kessel. Um, and uh, um, it must be because I don't think they ever went there. Clone Wars, and that would have been the only other op- opportunity. Yeah. Well, there was that old old EU movie, uh, Ewok Adventures Kessel Run. Right, right, right. That is, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, uh, sorry, you mean Caravan of Courage? I'm just making it up. This is not real. <laughs> Ewok Adventures <laughs> Part Three. Escape from Kessel. Escape from Kessel. Oh man, we need a we need a Wookie Adventures um, movie. Oh man. <laughs> uh yeah yeah so i don't know i uh, maybe i misheard but i'm pretty sure it was castle but yeah yeah it was it was yeah because i i noticed the same thing it definitely was castle the sky worked the sky kind of fit it had that greenish yellowish hue i guess maybe Um, oh wait do we go to castle uh in clone wars when we deal with the pikes Ooh. i'm wondering if that there's maybe part like the mall series Possibly, possibly, but the uh, syndicate. Uh, only uh, you know. Oh, you know what? That's a that's a good point. I I actually can't remember. Um, if we did go to Kessel, it may have been in the final season, which was after Solo came out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's possible it showed up before. I I'm I recently watched. Uh, you know, it did show up. It did show up in Clone Wars deal or a uh, deal, no deal, and dangerous debt. So that was in season seven. So that was after Solo came out. Okay, uh, but there's no mention here of of earlier. So uh, yeah, I think I know which episode you're talking about though. And no, they, they yeah, don't. it's when Maul like jumps around like in a yeah. matter of hours and just happens to uh, combine all of the crime syndicates in the galaxy right Some ridiculous thing yeah yeah no the pikes uh, yeah the pikes are part of it but yeah no i don't think we, we don't actually see him in kessel in that episode but uh but yeah i guess technically this is maybe the first on-screen appearance of kessel yeah, um might be then yeah so that that's interesting um it's interesting that they didn't need to go through all that nonsense through the through the uh what's it called the maelstrom, the castle run, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the maelstrom, yeah, the the big, huge, like cloud, cloud tunnel that you know they mm-hmm. have to go through. Anyways, I, I full of like, okay. space asteroids and giant space octopus. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, I thought it was interesting that at this point in time, it's worth noting the Death Star is, of course, still under construction, 
Um, and the Wookiees are being used as labor at this point in time. They weren't at first, but it was kind of the canon. Um, it was the EU canon. It was the EU canon originally. that, that Wookiees were, were used. Yeah, and I, I'm glad that at this point now um, that is probably perhaps what the Empire is using them for. Is for... Well, maybe. They don't uh, confirm I, I it. I was thinking if they're on Kessel. Well, the thing is, in Solo, we see that the the Wookiees are are used as like mining labor. That wasn't uh, they're Imperial. On that wasn't Imperial though. That was the Pikes using them as slaves. Right. So well, it, under Imperial, slaves, but... yeah. Well, under under Imperial um, uh, Overwatch Ma- management management. Yeah, yeah. Under Imperial, probably not the best term for slaves, but right. Well, like, what could they be doing under the Empire though? Like mining for spice? Like, there's no way. Well. I mean, uh, at the same time, it's like the the empire is defending the maelstrom in Solo, maybe unless they're just trying to stop criminals from getting to Castle. I think it was just one of those. Do like, they have checkups or something like that? Like, like they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there was something like chaos kind of went out at the at the the base there, and then and then they showed up, right? So I think it was just like a bad timing thing. But um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the Imperials are doing there because it, it is supposed to be Pike Run, so it's very strange. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, my theory was that it was just Death Star stuff, and that and that theory kind of plays in um, in a later episode where they blow up a certain ship with a certain crystal inside of it. Um, so I, I think uh, <laughs> how ambiguous. <laughs> yeah. So I I think I I just I just always thought that they were there as a little canon nod to the point at, at this point in time, the Wookiees are being used as slaves to c- create parts on a desolate world. Not many people are going to be coming and going, you know? Uh, and uh, at this point in time, they're actually being used for that. Um, I mean, let's not forget that Andor in that prison in Narkina was, was also working for the, on the Death Star. He just didn't know it. Right. So, Right. I think I think it's just a thing that the Empire has all these prison camps, and I think it was very smart that they were able to finally kind of play in the Wookiees into that role because because yeah, the EU was known for having the Wookiees having worked on on the Death Star. So um, you know, it's nice to kind of see perhaps a little bit of a nod to that. Um, Agreed. Yeah, I, I, I do like when they start fitting in older canon in regards to that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, yeah, um, so we also got uh, a little bit of a... Um, oh, yeah, um, oh, yeah. yeah we, we also got a little bit of a, um, a moment when Kanan reveals himself as a Jedi when they go to um, rescue the Wookiees. You know, when they're pinned under fire, you know, he finally takes out his lightsaber, twists the top on, and uh, Agent Callus, the ISB, the Stormtroopers, they all witness this event. Um, and now, all of a sudden, this rebel cell that Kanan's a part of, is he's made them all a high-value target by doing this. Yeah. And um, I just I was trying to remember what the moment was like in A New Dawn in which he did the same thing. Because I feel like in A New Dawn, he, he had a similar moment where he revealed himself as a Jedi, but then there were no witnesses. Yeah. So No, there was one witness. It was a calculation. I was... Um, yeah, you might be right. Like there were but no was, remaining witnesses. In, in um, a new dawn, it was actually exactly the same as a Calcast, where someone was falling to their death and used the force. 
Right, right, yeah, yeah, very similar to Calcestis, yeah. It, it was at a, it was at a, a mine. I mean, a, a, yeah, an asteroid mine, I think. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was something like that. Um, yeah. So, what did you think of this moment? Like, you know, when he reveals himself, like it's a pretty epic moment. But like, was it a little underwhelming looking back at this moment, knowing that, you were know, just thinking. I mean, thinking to myself, I thought like, well, you know, it was it's cool and all, but he also just like kind of doomed his family yeah like <laughs> no that's exactly what i was thinking too is i didn't feel like they were pinched in enough that that was their only option right like he seemed pretty uh quick to use that as a way to get out and the thing is from then like they never really leave lothal again with maybe in later seasons it becomes more common but they really stay local to the planet in this season for sure and it just brings down so much heat on them. It just seems like such a terrible decision. Yeah, it's like we can almost blame Kanan for the events of like the following four seasons. Like, <laughs> yeah, honestly, you kind of can for yeah. a lot of it. Like the planet still would have been industrialized, and the people would have been like harassed and have all of their their farms and everything stolen. The planet, yeah, polluted. But the level of security is definitely significantly worse because of Kanan. Oh, for sure. For sure, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The Inquisitor is, of course, contacted to hunt down the Rebel Cell and the Jedi. Of course, um, at the very end of the episode, um, hence the reason why we were introduced to him at the beginning. And Agent Callus calls him up and goes, "Hey, there's a Jedi," and uh, so goes the hunt. Um, all right, season one, episode three: Droids in Distress. Uh, this episode was directed by Stuart Lee. Writer was Greg Wiseman. Guest starring Phil Lamar, Anthony Daniels, uh, Kath uh, Suki, I believe it is, or Susie, uh, and Paul Rubens. Um, Paul Rubens, most notably um, the voice of uh, DJ Rex. Uh, or, or Oh, they Star- actually got Rex to... Oh yeah. Rex? oh yeah 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 they, they brought him back from star tours days uh that's cool yeah and anthony daniels who needs no introduction as c3po and uh kath was uh she she's been previously hired um as well she was the voice of mon mothman the clone wars so um not not incredibly amount of incredible amount of dialogue or anything like that but uh she i believe plays the the senator um in in this episode uh, so uh, this episode came out uh, in uh, October on the 13th, 2014 on Disney XD. And uh, summary goes, uh, the ghost crew steal a shipment of disruptor weapons from Minister Maketh Tua to sell to Viz- uh, scumbag Visago. Visago. <laughs> <Joel laughs> yeah. Technically, uh, accidentally bringing uh, the Imper- Imperial uh, service droids um, C-3PO and R2-D2 um, to... Uh, what the heck is going on with my little thing here? Oh, there we go. Um, Imperial, uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 with them in the process. Uh, Zeb uh, objects to the mission... And, oh, and, and let's not forget, C-3PO and R2-D2, they're considered Imperial service droids because they work for Bail Organa, who is an Imperial senator. We can't forget that. Right. I was wondering what the deal was with that because in my head, they were already part of the Rebellion and like it were on like a covert mission. Right. Well, and, and but, that's the thing. Yeah, obviously. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. technically they are part of the Rebellion, but like... 
you find that out kind of later, of course. But, you know, anyone who's seen Star Wars movies, like, you kind of know that they're not villains. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But what's funny is I don't think that 3PO is aware. R2 obviously is, but I I think 3PO has no idea. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, Zeb objects to the... Well, that's always the case. That's always the case, right? Like, R2 always knows what's going on. 3PO is just kind of there for selling the idea that that they're innocent. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, Zeb objects to the mission since the same weapons were used to nearly wipe out his species, the Lasats. Agent Callus intercepts C-3PO's distress call and follows the ghost crew to Lothal. Uh, Zeb sees that Agent Callus uses a bow rifle, a weapon only used by the Lasat Honor Guard, which Callus has taken from a guardsman he killed himself. In the, ins- uh, in the, in the duel between Zeb and Callus, Ezra saves Zeb by instinctively using the Force uh, combat... Uh, combat uh, Combatively? Combatively, yes. For the first time, thank you. Uh, pushing Callus away and knocking him unconscious. Uh, allowing the crew to escape after setting the weapons to self-destruct as a diversion, Kanan returns the two droids to their rightful owner, Bail Organa, who he somehow doesn't recognize, and uh, surveys R2-D2's recordings of the Rebel crew's actions. Um, so uh, it's kind of revealed at the very end of this episode that uh, this entire operation... He was uh, kind of using R2 as uh, not only an informant on Hera's rebel cell, uh, but also, you know, to get his own his own job done. Um, mm. And C-3PO is just kind of there for the kicks. Uh, right. <laughs> as, as always. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Always the case with 3PO. Yeah. Drag along. Yeah, exactly. That was the big reveal, though, was Bail Organa. And, um, you know, it was, was a that, wi- it was a wise. Was that Jimmy Schmitz? Oh, you know, I feel like he would be in the guest star if it was Jimmy Smith's. Um, but mm. no, I believe I believe that's who Phil Lamar is. Phil Lamar, um, I, I oh. believe uh, he voices um, uh, he voiced Bail Organa, I think, in uh, in Clone Wars. Uh, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah, he voiced Bail Organa in Clone Wars. So that was him returning to his uh, role. Did Jimmy Schmitz ever do one of the animated series? Was he just the live action cameo? Uh, Jimmy Smith has only ever been live action so far. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what's interesting about this episode is it's also the first one that we see the the ATDP show up, uh, which was a walker. Oh man, I didn't even think about that because we've seen them so often. Yeah, well, since since this show, yeah, um, but it was um, the ATDP specifically was was uh, made its first appearance in Star Wars Rebels in this episode. Uh, it was originally designed by Joe Johnson for Episode Five for the Battle of Hoth and ended up not being used. Uh, so when they did Star Wars Rebels, they took the design, the concept design, and uh, recycled it into a new oh um, all-terrain um, something something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, as per usual, with the Imperial stuff. <laughs> exactly. But, man, it's it's funny how Rebels is just like the concept art graveyard. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, you know, not only is it using so much of Ralph McQuarrie stuff, but um, yeah, it's true. They they recycled so many unused film designs into that show. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, even in this episode, they have the original 
there's a, a another random protocol droid that's just there in the background, and he is the original design for three PO, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, that's that's a design that more recently actually popped up in live action. They they used that design in uh, one of the more recent Mandalorian episodes, I believe. So, uh, ATDP. Um, if you have to know, it's All Terrain Defense Pod. That's what it's called. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, the T seven disruptor disruptor rifles, which uh, were part of the plot of this episode, uh, that killed the Lasats. Um, did you have any kind of opinion on these these T seven disruptor rifles, or or um, was it just me that was like, you know, it's high? Oh, they caught my eye. They caught my eye for sure. Because yeah. well, not only do we know, as we'll learn in the episode, is the history with Seb. But that's also the same weapon. Not that specific disruptor, but that's what like Mando's weapon is. It's a very uh, a famous weapon, right? And Boba Fett's told not to use any disintegrations. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of Easter egg cameo situations with uh, disruptor Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's uh, specifically, you know, disruptor disruptor rifle is... is uh, known more 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 so to take down vehicles and such it's like a rifle for for taking out vehicles which isn't a rocket launcher um and uh i mean that's i I don't really know what the big deal is with these models specifically for taking out lasats like i don't know if it's like i mean i know they're they're basically just a star wars version of high-powered rifle like that that's basically what it is um, they're very destructive and known to have destructive destructive effects on organic life forms, which is expected when you're handling uh, any, kind it, of, any uh, kind of weaponry. <laughs> am I wrong? Is a disruptor not the the weapon that makes your molecules separate? Uh, a disruptor. Well, yeah, I think I think that's the idea. Like it's fatal to anyone who gets shot by one, but um, it's specifically designed for taking down like you know vehicles and such. So okay. you know, for them to be used against people, it's like. It's like going to war with like an army with just with like rocket launchers or something. It's like it's a little overkill. I think that's the whole idea is that they're an overkill weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's like kind of like a brutal, a brutality thing to, to have used them against uh, wiping out a, a whole race of of uh, people, uh, which is the Lasats. Uh, yeah, and uh, some history is revealed about that, and Callus obviously had a lot to do with that. Ordering, he was the guy, the personally, the one who ordered um, the troops to use the the T sevens against the Lasats. I thought that was kind of kind of crazy. Hey, sorry, I'm reading disruptor cannon. <laughs> no, that's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, Ezra Ezra Force pushes Agent Callus. Um, and this is the first time that Ezra uses the force to a certain extent. And you were just talking about Luke and the noodle um, from Heir to the Jedi, mm-hmm. the novel. But mm-hmm. like, you know, like what were your thoughts when you saw this moment? Like, you know, this very kind of like large force push. Like this guy just gets slammed back into that thing. Just like, I, I buy this more than Ezra opening up the... Uh, holocron as well as ezra using being able to press the button is I it think, is it because it's a moment of distress is it because yes 100 that's exactly what it is because i think then you're gonna lash out and in the moment of desperation like that's usually when stuff right taps into like that power manifest right that's like so, that's like ray i'm not trying to justify it but that's like ray using the lightning on that shuttle <laughs> thinking that she killed 
Chewbacca or whatever. Like, it, like and that I think is a little even more so a bit overkill since that's like like you got to be Sith lightning Sith Lord, you know, to to, yeah, to go that far. But, I don't know if I want to touch that right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's like next level next level kind of like off the charts um with the with the whole power power issue but um yeah i I, i'm kind of with you on that one like it didn't bother me that the force push happened with ezra this time but uh, you know i think comparing this with the holocron i think i have more more of an issue with the holocron thing um 3po and r2 uh working on the rebel thing you know uh i found it interesting that kanan not only doesn't recognize bail organa as the senator of of alderaan but i thought it was interesting that that he doesn't reveal himself as an ally necessarily even though they're doing business together like he gives him the jedi saying and then he kind of mm-hmm. like slyly sends him on his way and it's like all right all right <laughs> you mm-hmm. know um right. so it, it gives us a sense of time though because clearly at this point in time in the show Hera's crew is not part of the larger rebellion network. Yeah, that's one thing I was trying to keep in mind because, as obviously with like foreknowledge of what's coming in the future here, like they're a cell, but they're not. It's not one cohesive rebellion, right? And this was, uh, this was a step that needed to be taken to actually create the name, the Rebel Alliance, because it has to be several rebel groups that make it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing to note is, like, in Andor, there we see Rebel Cells, and that's earlier on in the timeline than this show takes place. But um, the Rebel Cells are all part of a network. Like, they're all part of, like, a secret network. And uh, Hera's crew, it seems that Bale is kind of scouting them out as a possible crew to hire. At the moment, they're just rebelling on their own. Like, they're not, right. they're not part of the larger deal going on that they don't even know about. And but I think through this, he can tell that they aren't like common pirates, right? Or like anything yeah. goes, make a buck. Like there's a there's an honor to them, like honor honor amongst thieves. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so it's it's not until we find out like a bit later, you know, the the the, fu- the fulcrum code name starts being thrown around, and then we just kind of have to assume that between episodes, events take place in which now they've reached out to Hera, like Bale or somebody, you know, Fulcrum, mm-hmm. whoever, and now they're working for the larger network of the Rebellion. But that's that's not until, you know, we can get into that in the next podcast episode when it comes up. Um, and that's all there is for this episode, so we can dive right into the next one, Fight or Flight, the final one for today's uh, podcast. Season 1, Episode 4, Fight or Flight, uh, directed by... Uh, Stephen G. Lee, writers were uh, Kevin Hopps, guest starring David Shaughnessy, Liam O'Brien, Greg Ellis. This episode premiered uh, on Disney XD October 20th, 2014. And uh, Oh man, I'm glad we're getting into this episode because this one is very memorable. Um, at least I remembered it years after watching it and because of ridiculous reasons. You can get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's a it's a bit of a questionably, uh, how would you describe it? Questionably fun or questionably stupid? <laughs> it's it's questionably cartoonish. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Chopper ends up being uh, the cause of a fight between uh, Ezra and Zeb. Uh, so Hera sends them out on a supply run together to keep them from bickering with each other. 
uh, spe specifying that they do not return without the rare Meilurun fruit. Uh, the two find that the market's sole supply of Meilurun's has been purchased by the Empire, and <laughs> who knows why. Ezra's attempt to seal the fruit leads to an entanglement against the stormtroopers, forcing Zeb to hijack a TIE fighter for the two to escape in. En route to the rendezvous with the ghost, the two find uh, farmer Morad Sumar, a friend of Ezra's parents back in the day, and his family being arrested over a property dispute with the Empire. Um, using the TIE fighter to their advantage, Ezra and Zeb are able to rescue Sumar and retrieve the fruit. Uh, that's putting it mildly. On the return to the, tr to the ghost, after supposedly crashing the TIE fighter, Hera is pleased to see Ezra and Zeb are more friendly towards each other. Uh, so there's, there's actually a few things that this summary doesn't get into, and I definitely want to bring it up. Uh, but let's kick it off with uh, Ezra struggling to fit in with Zeb. Um, I thought the bed collapsing on Zeb was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. They, they definitely have a, a sibling camaraderie, for sure. And the fact yeah. that they're kind of, like, punished and made to go do chores... Uh, to run an errand for for mom who is Hera, and that was hilarious. Yeah, for Definitely sure. What they were going for here. the family the two, dynamic. Like, rowdy, rowdy boys. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's a very family dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Ezra's grip over the Force um, uh, sense starts to bubble up a little bit, um, and uh, uh, that that goes for the same as as lifting the the lid off of the container, which contains all the Meilurans when they're sneaking about. Uh, he made it warble a little bit, but he couldn't quite get it off. And then, um, but when no, he didn't warble, he was, that was chopper. chopper oh, was, was it? Like, yeah. Ch yeah. Cause he's like, Oh, he's thinking it's going to work. And then chopper starts laughing at him. Cause he, the perspective changes and chopper was like moving the bowl around to trick him. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about the bowl. Yeah, no, I'm, I was talking about like when he's trying to steal the fruit. Um, there's, there's like a box. Of oh, fruit. the lid of the container. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he managed ah, okay. to shake it a little bit, but, but not, not by much. And then, and then, yeah, I, I love okay, how yeah, yeah. Zeb's kind of like shocked at first. He's like, he's gonna do it, and then, you know, and then it doesn't happen. He's like, <laughs> just, la just laughing at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Just laughing at him. Yeah. Um, and, but he does sense that they're about to crash the TIE fighter into a mountain and get Zeb to steer the ship away. Although you can clearly see it's going to crash through the window. So I don't really know what the point of that was. Um, <laughs> but, uh, now he kind of knows now that he, I guess the point is now that he kind of knows what the force is because Cannon's explained it to him. Uh, now that he knows he's force sensitive, maybe is that the reason that he's able to do these things? It could be, because that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me. Well, Luke grows up not knowing that he's force sensitive, right? And uh, Anakin is the chosen one. He grows up not knowing he's force sensitive until Qui Gon tells him. All he knows is that he's incredibly good at piloting this this you know pod racer. He's the only human who can do it. And yeah. um, and Luke well, is supposedly uh, also an incredibly talented pilot as well. Not not that we see that right away, but when he gets in that X wing and takes down the Death Star, obviously it's apparent that he's you know, a pretty wicked pilot. So, you know, it's like Obi-Wan at that point has told him kind of what the force is, but like, do you think maybe this applies to Ezra? Like, like, what are your thoughts with that? Yes, to some degree, but to me, I always relate back 
to like again like Rob earlier in this episode was Luke's train because then the point where he was trying to move the noodles he was very aware of it mm-hmm. uh, and it, it was in between episode four and episode five right right yeah that was uh that he book- still was unable to do that yeah yeah like, that- go ahead well, I was just thinking, like, you can kind of see that Ezra is also struggling. Like, it wasn't just, like, a first time, but super easy. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely give him props for that. And I guess they kind of got to, like, speed it up a bit because it's a show. But if they were to stick to the original canon, which would be my preference, but it is what it is, mm-hmm. I would think that it would need to be done over even like the first half of the season if not if, if that's too long maybe the first like at least like three or four episodes of him trying and failing right but instead we get by the end of uh, episode three he's kind of got a, gr- a grip on it <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah so another thing you know when the, okay I, I mean you talk about this one this episode being a little cartoony and i totally agree because even when it comes to like not ezra related stuff when that farmer's house blows up dude they go <laughs> flying did you see the way mm-hmm. that like like him and his wife just kind of like they just kind of get blown towards camera and like the, the way that it's, i know the scene but i didn't notice that the way that is animated is just so comical like i just <laughs> yeah i just couldn't help but laugh like <laughs> i just felt kind of bad because like oh man you could turn into a gif put it on the channel yeah you know you, you gotta look it up go look up the episode and and just kind of flick to that that little scene and it's it's quite funny it's quite funny and, you know, they just kind of dust it off, of course, like when they get up, but they, they fly a solid like 20 meters or something. And it's oh, like, man. oh, it's no big deal. Um, when uh, when Ezra sees the, what the Empire is doing to his world, uh, to his uh, friends and his his friends, of uh, well, friends of his parents, um, clearly uh, something inside of him is is more determined to uh, help people, you know. Um, and, and I think like, that's kind of where the story's going is like taking someone who doesn't want to help anybody and transforming them mm-hmm. into a person who very does. selfish. Yeah. Being a very, uh, you know, self-concerned person to a very selfless person leading up to what we know in the finale of the show and what happens, you know, like just, just in general, um, you know, Ezra becomes quite the opposite of how he starts off. And I think like the, it's worth noting these little moments because, the character development for Ezra is um, it's well, it's well done. You know, it's a, it's it's a well done character story. uh, And uh, it's very uh, looking back at it now, all these years later, you know, and starting to pick up on these things that I may have not appreciated at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, these little scenes matter. Uh, These little scenes with, with, with people like his, his parents, friends and stuff. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's important for his character. So, um, Ezra used the force to unlock the prisoner's transport. And, uh, like you were saying, he's kind of got the, kind of got the handle on it. I don't know how long he's been training with the force. I don't think it's been very long, but I feel like it's a little too early to have mastered, um, undoing locks, uh, telekinetically. Yeah. Well, I think it's just like a push button. So, you know, benefit of the doubt in regards some lock that is. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what was so ridiculous is I was thinking like they uh, the all the people who were captured 
They're, they're inside these like exterior prison cells, which are ridiculous. But uh, their arms didn't like he, they weren't really tied down. That's how they were able to jump out. They're tied together. They couldn't just reach could over really, the wall and push yeah, the button themselves. You just do it exactly. So I'm like, why didn't he just do that? I, like, he can clearly reach it. It's, it's right ju- next to him. It's just as ridiculous as uh, when Ezra's like, you have to jump. And then the, the farmer guy's like, we're moving too fast. And then he, and then he, Ezra's like, so you'd rather stay prisoners? And then they and just then jump. jump. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they all, dude. It's like bug splats on a window. It's like, that's all it took. Like, just someone saying, like, you have no choice. <laughs> are you sure (laughs) oh man it was just like i just cackled at that one i just thought it was so ridiculous it was Uh, very ridiculous yeah i agree entirely on that one uh i did i did have a good laugh though genuinely a good laugh when when the stormtroopers after ezra on uh the 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 top of the um the moving transport and uh he holds up the meluron when he's about to get shot in the face and the stormtrooper pauses he's like wait you did all this, this for, for fruit. For fruit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true because that's what I was thinking the whole time about the episode. It's like you did this all for fruit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think it's just like I, I love this line so much. I think it's one of the best of the season because like this whole episode is so ridiculous, and uh, mm-hmm. and I think it just it's just kind of like an acknowledgement to just how ridiculous it is, right? It's like. This whole episode was just about two people working for a rebel cell to steal like a Mayalu run from the Empire. Like, how stupid is yeah. that? But like, it's pretty ridiculous. I love yeah. how just a, a like a meager stormtrooper has to point it out. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's true. Just, it's hilarious. Um, clearly, when all, they, the whole thing is so tongue in cheek, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Clearly, when they get back to the the ghost, they they lie about having crashed the Tie Fighter. Uh, you know they've they've clearly stashed it somewhere, and uh, if my memory serves correctly, they, they it plays an important part later in the season. So uh, you know perhaps we'll 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 see this Tie Fighter again at some point. Uh, and that is everything that we got going on today in Rebels Talk Part Two. Uh, is there anything out of all these four episodes? Anything you want to kind of like hit before we wrap things up today? I'm gonna double check if I didn't have anything in my notes here for this episode because I wrote a decent amount. Uh, yeah. Well, we didn't mention that the 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 transport ship that they're carrying everybody that was originally based on a 1970s toy that wasn't even canon. It's, oh, it has, yeah. Hasbro just made this random transport uh, toy, and everyone thought it was so weird because it would transport the stormtroopers on the outside of it. Yeah, the ha- we saw the yeah the, ha- the Hasbro troop transport toy. Yeah. Or the uh, the the vintage uh, was it vintage mm-hmm. is Kenner or Hasbro? But oh, maybe it was Kenner. It might have been I, Kenner. I forget. I can't I remember. remember. Yeah, it must have been Kenner because it was back. In- You're right, though. That's a good. That's a good one point. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. And we later see them live action in Mandalorian. That's right. Yeah, they look just as ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're I don't know. They're okay. They're they just look like you know tank things, but they're fine. I think they look fine without people on the exterior, but people are forced to stand on the outside of it kind of silly yeah <clears throat> yeah i agree yeah yeah it's like yeah you could just like you're just like a sitting duck out there um <laughs> and oh man i would say the most ridiculous part of this episode was when zeb was flying with his feet upside down hanging <laughs> out of the tie fighter trying to grab 
onto <laughs> Ezra to save him. <laughs> that, like that, I, that was it's, ridiculous. Oh, as those are the moments where I'm just like, what? Are, what is happening? Like, <laughs> is this canon? Do like, people do this? It's, how it's, does it, How does this work? It's moments like that that the humor I think kind of goes a little too far, and then yeah. then I start to question like, okay, the the humor has aged better on me compared to what it used to be but back in the day let me tell you man like when this episode came out i was just done like, <laughs> was like oh man i was like it's man. about fruit like oh my gosh like what what is this show like you know like uh, um but, oh man it's, it's, it's right. just such a massive change compared to clone wars right it's, that's the main thing yeah it's and like it's a huge you never see that in clone wars no you'd like, never see may, that. maybe maybe a jedi but no one else would be able to do anything yeah i mean like we we got cheesy little moments like you know the whole snips thing and like you know snippy snips and like little stinky rada the hotlet and you know whatever like you know you name it like you know the clone wars is, has its moments but um i don't think we've ever hit this level of ridiculousness in clone it's wars a lot. ever yeah it was a lot it to take lot. in yeah 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 you'll have to jump Oh my gosh! <gasps> you gotta, you gotta look up that explosion. It's really funny. Um, All right, I'll check it out. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, thanks again for uh, popping on uh, the, the podcast and uh, popping into the escape pod and, and another episode of of Rebels Talk. And uh, next time on Rebels Talk, we're gonna hit uh, episode five, six, seven, and eight for uh, those of you following along with us at home. And uh, that was all she wrote. So cool. Thanks for having me on. It's always good to chat some Star Wars. Even if, you know, we got to fling some poodoos around or we can reminisce about some points. It'll be good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that reminds me real quick, real quick. Just run through the list. Oh, Pablo, Pablo, Pablo points or poodoos. Okay, starting. Explain the whole thing now. How much time we got? No, no, no. People, people, people tune in the podcast before. <laughs> just, just run through it. Run through it. Oh, shoot. Um, I would say the opener. I'm going to clap the first two as one episode because that's yeah. it's really one story. Sure. Um, let's, I'm going to give it one and a half. Yeah, oh. it's called one, one and a half Pablos. I'm I thought that was, I, I like that one was pretty good. It's pretty solid. I like the, uh, there's a lot more bickering than I remember. Uh, in this first season between Hera and Kanan, so that made me feel like a yeah. bit more realistic to what I was expecting. And you kind of see the, the arc to where it goes later. Now, that was a really good introduction for Ezra. I think they did a good job of that. The show is really well animated, so definitely uh, points in regards to that. Um, episode two. Which one was that again? I know, number three. Uh, Sorry, jo uh, droids uh, in distress. Right. I'm going to give it a Bendu because it was a bit boring and I feel like there wasn't enough going on. Maybe a little bit fillery. They're just trying to introduce Ezra a bit, I guess, like to the to the family. So give that one a Bendu. And this last one, it's just, it was too cartoony for me. So I'm going to give it one Poodoo. One Poodoo. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with the first one being, uh, the first two episodes being 1.5 Pablo points. Um, droids in distress. I think a, I think Bandu is a pretty fair score. I think I might I might even go like 
one poodoo. To me, it just didn't really have a whole lot of substance to it. Um, yeah, it was a, it was very fillery. Yeah, it was. Um, it was cool that we got to see Anthony Daniels back, but I don't. That to me, that wasn't enough. Um, and then sorry, uh, Anthony. Yeah, sorry, Anthony. <laughs> and then uh, Fight or Flight episode four was. Uh, I don't know. To me, I think he was probably. Probably one poodoo is, uh, well, 1.5 poodoos maybe. Um, I, it, it's, it's not great. It's not great. But, I mean, there's some moments that just kind of make it so ridiculous. I just had to chuckle. Uh, but overall, I mean, you know, we enjoy Star Wars. so yeah. for, That's for, it, right? Yeah. So I'd rather watch a poodoo of a Star Wars than nothing at all. Exactly. Exactly. That's the spirit. That's the spirit. All right, sir. Thank you again for coming back on Star Wars Escape Ball, and we will catch you in the next one. See you out there. Keep flying. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to Star Wars Escape Pod and our second part to Rebels Talk. We will be back with more. And uh, we're hoping, again, as, uh, as we first opened up, hoping to put uh, one of these out each week going forward leading up to Ahsoka. Of course, if you uh, don't find a Rebels Talk coming out in the week that you would desire, just keep going. Just keep watching more episodes, and uh, these after shows will come out eventually. And uh, you can just kind of listen to them as you go. So I hope that uh, you guys enjoy the journey just as much as we are going through Star Wars Rebels, whether it's the first time, or the tenth time, or the hundredth time. Uh, we're all looking forward to Star Wars Ahsoka and uh, Rebels is the path we must take. You can find us at Podcast at gmail.com at Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Join our Discord in the link below and remember, with Rebels Talk, always check the description for those episode titles. May the Force be with you and we'll see you in the next episode of Star Wars Escape Pod or the next episode of Rebels Talk. Rebels Talk.